Well, at the Baylor Law School, Mark Osler fought to change federal rules that mandated the 100-to-1 discrepancy in crack versus powder cocaine sentencing. He eventually won the case in front of the Supreme Court that resulted in Tuesday's signing by the president. As an assistant DA in Detroit, Osler saw firsthand the effect the law had on the streets and the legal system. He said it showed the dangers of Congress legislating by anecdote. They just made up this ratio of 100 to 1, which means that you get the same sentence for one gram of crack as you do for 100 grams of powder. Uh, Once you have a severe sentence in the system, it's very hard to turn the ratchet back. And that's why the law that President Obama signed was so significant is because what what it does is it changes the ratio to 18 to 1. Why is crack considered 18 times more dangerous or more unlawful? Well, the, the active ingredient in crack is still powder cocaine. The thing, though, about it is that it's uh, ingested differently. It's smoked as opposed to being snorted into the body. And that means that it's going to be a shorter high, but it's going to be sharper or higher. It can, in some people, have the effect of being more addictive. Now, what the ratio ignored was the way that crack dealing works because it's not turned into crack from powder cocaine until the last man in the entire chain handles it usually. It's the street-level dealer who turns it into crack. And by creating this huge disparity between powder and crack, we are creating an incentive to go after the least culpable people who could be most easily replaced in the entire system. So it's not surprising that it didn't solve the problem. You used the analogy, the Walmart analogy. Why don't you explain that? If we wanted to close down the Walmart, there'd be good ways and bad ways to do it. Mm -hmm. And one great way would be to, for example, destroy their credit. Uh, or we could destroy their supply operation. Uh, what would not work would be to sweep up the greeters or the stock boys. And that's what we're doing by creating this incentive uh, to go after the crack dealers on the street, mm-hmm. as opposed to the people higher up. It seems like a lot of laws, no matter how well-intentioned, have unintended consequences. Were there more un- unintended consequences of this disparity? Well, one of them is that so many resources went to pursuing the street-level dealers who, as I said, could be replaced almost immediately that we didn't focus enough on other things. Um, For example, I mentioned destroying credit. If we interdicted the money going back to the source of the powder um, and just, you know, we could destroy their their profit margin and destroy their credit. Mm -hmm. And what would have happened if we'd done that is that the price of that drug would have risen. It's supply and demand. Instead, we saw the price remaining stable or falling as we redoubled our efforts to go after the street-level dealers. You saw the, this happening in front of you, and now, years later, we've talked several times, and you've talked about your interest in, in, in finding that balance between justice and mercy. How do, how do all those kind of play in together now? Derek, it's really important that laws make sense, or people won't respect them. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say justice and mercy, part of the merciful aspect is that we have to constantly reexamine our laws and make sure they make sense. I'm not for legalization of things like crack. Um, I think that that is just, and that's something that makes our society better. At the same time, I think to be merciful to our society, we have to step back from that uh, knee-jerk retributive reaction we have sometimes, the kind of reaction that led to the 100-to-1 ratio that we're finally rid of. Osler said the law put untold numbers of young people in jail, with many first-time offenders receiving sentences far stiffer than those convicted of arguably much worse crimes. You can hear about this aspect of the law and our complete conversation online at kwbu.org. After serving for years at the Baylor Law School, Osler and his family are currently headed north to Minnesota, where he'll begin teaching this fall in the University of St. Thomas Law School in Minneapolis. For KWBU News, I'm Derek Smith.